Counselor Accents Podcast. Two school counselors who love their jobs. Oh, and they happen to have Southern accents too. Bless their hearts. I'm Laura Rancourt. And I'm Kim Crumley. And together we are Counselor Accents, two school counselors who are in the trenches with you. We know what you're going through because we're living it every single day. But not this week. Not this week. This week we're off for Thanksgiving. So we're doing something a little special this week. We have gone back and found one of our gems, if you will. And uh, we have the Michael McKnight episode that we recorded actually three years ago. You're going to be shocked. It is so, it's still so relevant. And as I was listening and doing some editing. Probably more relevant than ever. Yes. And we were talking COVID, but we had returning to school after COVID on our brain. Okay. And we were talking about like unprecedented behaviors and stuff like that. We had no idea. No idea. We thought this will smooth down once everybody calms down. We'll just get adjusted. And Mm. it was so relevant. So that's what we're doing today. Before that, though, I would like to wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. And to to you you as well. well. (laughs) (laughs) So I have looked up, and I have not shared these with you like I did it a while ago when you were working on something else. And I told you I'm going to share this with you. Yes. And you can, you know, just give me your thoughts or if this is something that you do. So this is what, according to Top 10 Thanksgiving Traditions in the U.S. by EF Academy. I don't... It looks like a real, it's a thing. Academy blog. So here we go. Number one, watch the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade. Okay. That is one of my favorite things. I love watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day Parade. And I've always tried to make sure that I am close to a TV at the time. Yes. My kids, it does not mean anything to them. Really? Yes. Yes. Well, and I will say that, you know, every year we go to the beach. Mm-hmm. So for the past 12 years, except the year that we couldn't, nobody could, you know, go anywhere. We've gone to the beach. That's just what we do. But my son complains because he has his hear he's deaf and he has his hearing set up for our parade. So when he's at, the- he has to hear the parade uh, with his, all of his hearing devices, but he's never got to do that. So th- he has been saying for a year we had to stay home so he could hear the parade good, you know, so he could hear it with his hearing devices. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we- he's so excited because he's going to get to hear okay, the best. He's so okay, great good. instead of being at the beach. <clears throat> All right. Okay. Two. Break the wishbone for good luck. No. I've never we were done that. Just- like, have you ever even played with that? I've never. I think that would be disgusting. No, but we were actually, my little girl got a... Thanksgiving bingo card today. Yes. And so we were looking at that, and one of the bingo spaces was break the wishbone. And she said, what does that mean? So I explained it to her, but no, we don't. No, okay. Take a nap. Uh, That's a big, yeah. With it, I could. Except when I'm with my sister, because I don't I don't mean to sound like um, Aerosmith in the song, don't want to miss a thing. Yeah. But when I'm with my sister, I don't want to miss a thing. That is so sweet. Do you say that same thing about me? Let's think of how many times I've taken a nap when we're together. I know. Seriously. I'm very hurt. <laughs> uh, share what you're most thankful for. Do y'all, do, well, have, you, of course. Oh. Oh, no. No. I mean, like, do y'all go around the table? No. Because we do that. We, we do don't. that. Uh, and my dad will, you know, he'll want, he'll start crying, mm-hmm. you know. And then... And then the people in my family who have no feelings hate it. Yeah. So, it's just deporting. Watch football. Um, no, we are more Saturday football people. We are too, because we're so, co- South College, we're yeah. more college. So yes, but it is, that's a big thing. Yeah. Uh, run a turkey trot. <laughs> I, I didn't know, I, I may be running with that's the how, trots. That's how, going oh my gosh, I can't believe you said turkey that. Turkey trot. It's a, it's like there's big races during this time. I, I'm not going to be running. Do you know what the trots mean? I do, yeah. And you still said it. Well, I mean, I'm not going to be running a turkey trot, but I may be trotting. <laughs> you don't know. But it will not be a turkey trot run. And the last one, shop till you drop on Black Friday. I have not shopped Black Friday in, gosh, probably 15 years. The only thing I go for now is poinsettias or 99 cents at Home Depot usually. Are you serious? Yeah. 
What do you do with those poinsettias? Well, it's one of those things, like my mom buys them like candy. I mean, how yeah. old are you? I, well, hey, and I, I thought, gotta have my poinsettia. I know. I, it's like contagious. She goes and gets. So it's kind of inherited. I gotta have my poinsettia. I go with her. And oh, so, well, make me feel bad. She's yeah. buying. Elderly want a good poinsettia. She's buying 20. So I'm thinking, gosh, I need at well, least. Well, I mean, 99 cent. Right. Um, well, I will say that, yeah, since since e-commerce is the way to go now, I would rather stay in my pajamas if possible. But when we were at the beach, you had those, you know, the outlets mm. that opened at midnight, and that was kind of a tradition and kind mm -hmm. of fun. So, actually, there are people who actually, they go, you know, that night and spend a group of girls or family, and they go and they shop and... I know there are some friends of mine who they do that. They uh -huh. start, like, they make it a 24-hour thing. They go from, like, 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving night, and they don't get back until, like, midnight the next night. Mm -mm. And they just, like, they document the whole thing. They document where they eat. They document the whole thing. So, would that have that much energy? I know. And they get all of their shopping done in that, I guess it would be 30-hour span. I think my problem with that now is that it's so if you know what you're looking for, it's just easier to find oh, yeah. it. But I will say, you know, if I can if I can buy something at my local, you know, where local people buy are local. selling things, yeah. that's fun. That's not necessarily those big Black Friday deals, though, yeah. you know. So trying to be cognizant, if you will, of your local uh people and all the things that they're doing. So anyway, all of that being said, um, I don't know how traditional, we're pretty traditional, I guess, eating that turkey. Yeah. I I really never know. My mother said this today, she said, you want turkey or ham? Ham. I said, I am good with whichever, because she does, I mean, it's going to be fantastic. We're going to have dressing. I do a sweet potato casserole that is the only thing I can make. But it is asked. Maybe that's why they asked me to make that now that I think about and it. And I'll bet you bring plates. That kind of thing. And yeah. rolls. Yeah. Rolls. I'm the rolls. I'm the rolls. And the plates, napkins, girl. And the sweet potato casserole that I've always been able to make. Well, good. Um, okay. So, we just feel like this episode is a good one to... Pop your earbuds in. I said earbuds earlier. It made that, me laugh because I'm just picturing those dogs. That's a dog. Out <laughs> I'm like, you're going to put earbuds. Okay. But pop those in. And while you are doing your baking or whatever, going out to get the plates, if you're the person in charge mm -hmm. of plates, mm -hmm. which we want to be the ones to tell you what that means. It means you can't cook. So. <laughs> Sorry to break that to you. But um, so whatever you're doing, just we hope that, this episode with Michael McKnight makes you think. And remember, this was three years ago when we recorded it. So it's mind-blowing to me. Fantastic. Yep. Let's listen. We are just completely honored to have Michael McKnight with us. He works for the New Jersey uh, Department of Education. He is an expert when it comes to... Well, he, you say you're not an expert, but... <laughs> From what I've read up on you, you are an expert. Uh, you've worked with special education. You've, it sounds like you've done a lot. You've worked in all different areas of education. We are honored to have you with us. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? All right, thank you very much. Uh, I, um, I started out my career as a special ed teacher um, uh, for what the system calls emotionally disturbed adolescents. Um, I taught, um, I called them troubled children and kids, um, but uh, I taught uh, as, a, as a classroom teacher, high school level, um, uh, uh, troubled kids for 14 years um, in three different states. Uh, and then I became um, an administrator for a program uh, here in, in uh, Southern New Jersey, Atlantic County. Um, uh, for uh, um, kids ages 5 to 21 that have been removed from regular schools uh, for behavioral and emotional issues. And I did that um, for a little bit over a decade. And I like to tell people that's when all my hair fell out. Uh, but, uh, uh, but certainly uh, they, um, they uh, forced my learning. Uh, 
uh, and still drive my learning. Uh, and uh, and that, that that 25 years with um, uh, with hands-on uh, uh, kids in that in that realm uh, continue to drive my learning. I I also um, get to adjunct at a local university, Stockton University. Uh, and get to teach future teachers now, so that's great uh, to be able to share with them. Um, and uh, and and I work with um, the 13 school districts in Cape May County, uh, uh, and uh, and share a lot of this work that we'll be talking about. That's wow. incredible, and yet you still have time to talk with us. Thank you oh, so much. We appreciate it. That was, and that was just just before we get into some of the questions we had a thought came to me and I, I just want to unpack this with you uh, you were in special ed and you uh, dealt with students who had emotional disturbances behavior issues mm -hmm. do you think that um, we've made a lot of changes in how we view these students and how to treat students who have the behavior issues or do you think we've um, come along far enough along oh. uh, where we work. I used to be a special ed teacher myself and it was a few years back. And uh, I just wonder your thoughts on uh, how we view these children. Uh, I don't think we've come very far at all, um, to tell you the truth. Um, I still think uh, <clears throat> often uh, 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 these young people um, uh, uh, end up in our backup discipline systems uh, more than any other group. Uh, I think they're underclassified. Uh, often, school districts don't even classify these kids. They just kind of, kind of uh, treat them as as those kids that uh, uh, are misbehaved or discipline problems or have bad attitudes. So, so yeah. Over uh, over that uh, over my career, uh, I think it's it's one of the still one of the least accepted ideas. Uh, I think uh, uh, the trauma informed movement uh, may begin to help that a little bit and I'm certainly hopeful about that. Uh, Laura and I have said on our podcast before what especially if you've been in education a while um, from what I have seen in my experience is when I first started the, there were outliers students who were outliers and they needed a lot of you know help with behavior or but it just seems like that group has grown and grown and grown until now that that's more of a prevalent number. And do you find that everywhere? I uh, guess <laughs> we do. I think, uh, you know, and it, it's directly related to, to stress um, and, and, and stressed families have stressed children. Um, and, and, and so as the stress uh, on our families uh, uh, continues to get higher and higher, uh, we're seeing kids coming into, into our preschools. Uh, New Jersey's one of the leading uh, states in, in opening preschools uh, um, in, in public schools. Uh, we have a lot of uh, three and four-year-old programs, and, and we're seeing uh, three-year-olds that are, uh, are coming into school completely dysregulated, um, so much so that we actually had to pass a state law that you couldn't suspend preschoolers. Uh, so, so uh, yes, uh, we're seeing more more kids that are coming to school dysregulated, um, and uh, and and certainly not ready to sit and learn. I love that quote that I just wrote it down. The stressed families have stressed children, and I think that's so important for us to remember that families look different than they used to, and that's something Kim and I say a lot. A lot of times I think that we get into our bubble of maybe how we grew up or what our perception is of what a family has always been and we forget that there's more stress. Kim, you know the statistic of the information overload that, that students have, that children have, and just all of that contributes to the stress on the family unit and I just, that was a great quote. But yet, Laura, I feel like teachers are coming out of college they're not ready no. to deal with a classroom and and now it's not the one it, it can right. be more than one and they do not know how to 
manage uh, our, our you know, and, and even counselors, we're overwhelmed in our system, our mental health workers, we're overwhelmed, our, our social workers, you know, I, we don't, I don't know the answer. And, and we certainly uh, looking for any helps that we can get. Uh, you know, that, uh, you know, the, um, uh, we're seeing that all over the country, actually. So, so don't feel like it's just happening in your world. Uh, our, um, uh, I think, um, you know, our, our, our teacher prep, prep programs have focused almost uh, exclusively on, you know, can the kids pass these tests to become teachers, but, but they get very, uh, very little uh, in, the, in the way of uh, anything that will help them walk into a today's classroom. Uh, anywhere really with 25 or 30 kids and and begin to teach which which is really um, uh, you know the the hardest part of teaching um, I think is is how do you manage kids how do you set that uh, classroom up and yet um, you know uh, and and we see the results of that many people leave our profession uh, I've heard it called the the profession that eats its young uh, oh, wow. More more young teachers leave our profession now more than ever, and and I think it's directly related to to what we're talking about. Absolutely, that really is. Hume and I say a lot of times when we have these conversations, our mind just starts going in a thousand different directions, and that's what you have done for me just now, and I love it. But Good. I mean, it's like I, I'm thinking about how as counselors we take care of the students, but it's almost like we need to think also about educating educators and preparing them for what, what they may see. Because uh, I think we get this concept in our head, like I said a second ago, of a perfect classroom with 20 students who are eager to learn, and that's just not the reality. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, a, a lot of my work, along with my, my friend and, and, uh, and, and co-author and, 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 uh, and great buddy, we do a lot of trainings together, uh, we always start, start with adults, the teachers, um, because it, uh, you have to be regulated. A dysregulated adult cannot regulate a kid. Um, so how do you begin to regulate your staff? Um, how do you how do you create an environment that's regulating in schools for the staff um, so that they're not dysregulated along with the kids? Exactly. Uh, and, and so so it, it's it's uh, it's it's much more than just here's what you do to the kids. Mm -hmm. It's really about how do how do we prepare ourselves to walk in stressful environments and, and begin to be able to teach a group of kids um, that carry in all kinds of difficulties. Uh, so anything that counselors can do to can support teachers in that, in that work, um, you know, because even I, I, I think teachers always stop in and see you guys uh, right. after school, before school, uh, you know, and I, I think it's, you're a great source and always have been of, of kind of, Hey, let me go just chit chat here and 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 kind of get a sense of how I'm doing um, uh, and and uh, that's what uh, your role is is way past just the kids <laughs> yeah thank you yeah that's true um, I know even working with high school teachers because they're dealing with with um, kids who are often larger than they are uh -huh. and, and I've had several conversations with teachers is I'm telling you, do not trigger this student. Do not engage. And, and if, if we don't lose that old mindset of you are gonna mind me, I'm telling you what to do and you're going to do it because some of these kids, they will go down with the ship, but you'll go down with them, you know, and uh, to, to uh, when they're smaller, we can, we can, you know, we can, we can help them. Pick them up them. anyway, yeah, kind of move them, but not when they're bigger. Laura, we had some questions that we really, really need some help with. Yes, and I am loving this conversation and, and what you're telling us. Um, so we may get back to this too. But let's talk about, you talked about um, teachers who are coming right out of school and let's talk about that. Can you explain 
the whole um, ACES program and what an ACES score would be to a new educator who has never heard of it before. And, and most still haven't, um, you know, and even even here in New Jersey anyway, um, I mean, it's certainly gotten around in the last three or four years, but prior to that, no, not too many of us had heard about it at all. Um, my background led me to that a while ago, but uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll explain a little bit about the history of ACEs, uh, and it goes way back, believe it or not, to 1985. Um, with uh, Dr. Vincent uh, Filetti, who was studying actually obesity, uh, and somehow bop, uh, bumped into a, another doctor, Robert Anda, who at the time was studying the connection between depression and heart disease. Um, and these two doctors got got together, and, and you know it's interesting because I uh, uh, in 1985 uh, uh, to find each other wasn't as easy as it is today. Right. Uh, without any internet, or you know, you just you know you found each other through reading articles. Uh, so it kind of very different world today. Uh, but together, those guys decided to conduct a study. Um, investigating the connection of what happens to people in their lives to later, later health and life outcomes. Um, so the conversation started then. Um, that study uh, was not done until the original ACEs study was done in 1995 um, at Kaiser Permanente in San Diego. And the original study uh, included over 17,000 people, mostly middle class uh, people, uh, in the study, and they were followed for 15 years, um, and and um, and uh, and the original ACEs questionnaire um, uh, included 10 questions. Um, newer studies have expanded past 10 questions, but the original 10 questions really asked people yes or no questions on these 10 areas. Um, uh, one, uh, yes or no, uh, uh, any, hi uh, any history before the age of 18 with sexual abuse, uh, any history with verbal abuse, uh, the third ace was physical abuse, uh, the fourth ace was did you have a family member with a mental illness, uh, the fifth ace, uh, did you have a family member struggling with drugs or alcohol, um, the sixth day is a mother who was a, a domestic violence survivor. Did, was that part of your background? Um, um, or a family member uh, who had been incarcerated was the seventh ace. Uh, the eighth, um, a loss of a parent from a, from a divorce or abandonment um, was an ace. Um, the ninth, emotional neglect, and the tenth, physical neglect. Um, so there are ten aces uh, in the original study. It was the first time researchers had looked at the effects of several types of trauma at the same time. They had been studying prior to that individual things, but this was their attempt to really see uh, a like a, an integration of various traumas in kids' lives um, and how many people had. Um, and uh, the, the participants in that original study uh, uh, were middle, middle class, as I had said, and the average age was 57 years old. So that's kind of the, the original group. Uh, the findings uh, uh, were, were shocking to the doctors. Uh, childhood trauma, uh, they found, was extremely common. Uh, there was a direct link uh, between uh, the, the ACEs, uh, which measure trauma, um, and adult onset of chronic disease, um, as well as depression, uh, suicide, uh, being violent, um, or being victims of violence. Um, the, the more ACEs uh, that the person had on one of those, it was counted as an ACE, the more social-emotional problems those folks had later in their lives. Um, the study found people usually experience more than just one ACE. They come in clusters. Um, so if you have one, you're more likely to have more than one. Um, and uh, in the original study, uh, two-thirds of the people had one ACE. And out of that first two-thirds, 87% of them had more than one. So they cluster together. Um, and as ACEs go up, risk in many areas increase. 
for instance, um, uh, people with four or more ACEs are 14 times um, more likely to commit have a suicide attempt. So four or more ACEs uh, uh, increases that by 14 times. Um, people um, uh, with four or more ACEs are more likely to engage in in um, and, and have sex before the age of 15, they found. Um, so early risk uh, for that, uh, 4.5 times more likely to develop depression for more ACEs. And, and they even found that people with six or more ACEs um, died 20 years earlier than someone with no ACEs. So, so those adversities, which are what ACEs are, uh, really uh, affect not just the, the, uh, the physical body, uh, but affect the whole body. And we know that more and more now, uh, and that's kind of uh, uh, been, been uh, where it's going. Uh, there is a great um, one hour documentary that I show to everybody I can. Um, every teacher in our county has, almost, has, has seen this documentary. It's called uh, Resilience, the Biology of Stress and the Science of Hope. It is a great introduction uh, to teachers, educators. I show, you know, when, we, when I say uh, teachers, I mean everybody in the school secretaries, bus drivers, uh, uh, custodians, all really need um, this basic information. And it's a great way to you know, put everybody in one place and introduce it in a school. Um, and I give out the ACES survey uh, uh, afterwards, um, and we talk about some of the findings. Um, and we talk a little bit, um, uh, you know, we don't give the ACEs survey out to kids in the school. That's a no-no. It's an adult instrument. Um, but we can certainly talk with small groups of teachers about what they know or you know a little bit about a kid's background. Um, and you quickly see that, that what schools are struggling with, their behavioral problem kids, are carrying in tons of adversity. Uh, these are kids in pain. So we reframe behavioral problems as, as pain-based behaviors, behaviors by kids in pain. And that, you know, that's how you kind of start, or we think you can begin to connect the dots there um, between ACEs, um, stress, and, and, and behavior in kids. So this is not an instrument for ch children at all. No, and, and, and because everybody has jumped on it, I've seen some schools actually, you know, ask kids about their, no, this is not a kid instrument. Um, it, is, it is really, it doesn't even really matter which ACEs a person has. Um, if you look at your lives and what we know about most of our kids over time, um, uh, we can guesstimate um, what number of ACEs they have. Uh, we don't have to be exact, but it kind of links the idea of, yikes, you know, our toughest kids are coming from very tough environments. Uh, so, yeah, it's not a kid instrument. It's, it's, uh, it's something, it's a lens you can look at as you're looking into the lives of, your, of the kids you're working with, particularly your hardest kids. Uh, really what we're talking about with ACEs um, is, is toxic levels of stress. And, 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 um, and, and, you know, I mean, these 10 aren't the end all in stress in families, right? I mean, it, it just was a snapshot really of, of what, what stress could be. Um, so it really doesn't matter. We kind of see, uh, we can get a good sense of, of, of what's going on in the lives of kids by watching kids. Um, and we get to know their families. Um, we get to see them, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's a, you know, we get to kind of visit with them. So you can kind of pick up that information uh, without directly needing to ask a kid. Now, if a kid self-discloses or something like that, that's fine, uh, you know, in, in counseling. But, um, but often, um, you know, these kids, and remember when you were a kid, you thought what you were, had, everybody had. 
So this isn't not, I mean, these are normal circumstances for everybody is whatever your family is, right? Um, so, you know, there, you don't want to shake up a little kid's worldview uh, in any way with, with uh, uh, so, so as we train our staff, we're real careful about that uh, with, you know, we've got a good sense. Look at how this kid can't sit still, right? Or can't pay attention. Um, we'll see three pretty good outcomes behaviorally in these kids. See if you agree with me. Um, uh, first, kids will react to stress by becoming externalizers. They externalize all their all their energy. Uh, usually, these kids can be bullies. These kids can be hostile to adults. These kids certainly are, are hostile to other kids, but they're also powerful kids. Uh, we call those kids externalizers. They take their stress response and, and externalize it. Um, uh, other kids take those stress responses and internalize it. Uh, that's where you see the depression. You can see cutting. You can see self-injury. Uh, these kids kind of blame themselves for their the stress in their lives. And in New, in New Jersey, we're seeing kids that are cutting it in fourth grade. Um, so, so, you know, we're seeing that stress response. It goes out or it goes in. Um, and then the last kid, um, we call uh, uh, kids that all these kids, by the way, are in a persistent state of alarm. They're all, um, they, um, the, all these kids are, are that. It looks like ADHD in many kids. Um, and often uh, we overdiagnose ADHD kids. Um, and these kids don't have ADHD. They're coming out of, uh, out of toxic levels of stress, either in their homes or their communities. I am taking both. notes like crazy. I know. I'm, I'm writing notes like crazy, too. So um, it's, it's, um, it's the stress we really want to get through to teachers um, because the brain learns best in a state of relaxed alertness. So what we talk about is how do we as teachers um, begin to get kids in that state, okay? Um, so that's kind of a lot of what um, in our second book that Lori and I wrote, Eyes Are Never Quiet, the whole back of that book is filled with activities that teachers can do um, that are fun. Uh, and it's not cognitive. It's movement. It's breath. Um, and it's fun activities. Um, uh, so, so that, uh, and, to, and the idea is to relax the entire nervous system and provide a sense of safety for kids. Well, I know where I'm going right after this, and that is to order <laughs> the book. <laughs> and Laura, when would we ever need that tool more than more. now? Exactly. Yeah, because um, think about, this the state of stress that we're all under right yep amazing amount even when we think we're not right i think everybody's going to come back with some sense of trauma you know how do we what we see is is rather than give teachers more lessons to prepare and deliver we see these as being able to be integrated into their procedures and practices into their routines. Um, so, you know, um, how, how do we do that? And, and we see teachers as weathermen. I've got two major jobs. I've got to calm kids down and I've got to wake them up, right? Um, so you guys want to do a wake up activity with me now? Of course. All right. I would like you to make a peace sign in one hand and an okay sign in the other. Um, now, when I say go, I want you to switch back and forth as fast as you can. Ready, set, go. I'm afraid I'm going to do something inappropriate. <laughs> no, I, I've been known to do that too, and that's okay. Kids will laugh at you. But this does a couple things. Not only do we do these activities, we teach kids about their brains at different levels. Um, so they're learning how the brain develops from the bottom to the top. The top part of the brain develops last. It is not fully developed until around age 25 to 30. 
So none of us in, in preschool to 12 are teaching a finished brain. Um, so uh, brain intervals, which we just did, are designed to wake up the brain. And what we do is practice them. If you do these for a few days in a row, you will get faster and faster and faster at it. And you're actually rewiring your brain. Um, and wow. and that, that's the connection to it. So it's, it's not just doing fun activities. It's, it's got a, a, this is why, this is what's happening. And if you want to get better at something, you got to do it a lot. So, so there's a lot of those kind of connections that are great for teachers and you don't have to be a brain expert. I'm not a neuroscientist by any stretch, um, but, but, but it's fun learning about it. Right. And most of social emotional learning, and I love it, is still in schools done up here. We want to work lower down here and the, you know, to lower you know, we teach about uh, the amygdala. Um, we, uh, the amygdala, your amygdala, we teach them it's up right here. We make them put their hands there. It's like, um, it's like your smoke detector. It's your fight, flight, reflex. Um, it's designed to protect you. Your most troubled kids, though, their amygdalas are in a persistent state of alarm. That's why they're so easily set off. You know, you get kids said, hey, what happened? Another kid looked at him funny or, or, or brushed into him, God forbid. Those are the kids that they're not bad kids. They have a, a, a system, though, that is, is in that alarm state and, and anything that happens, they overreact to. Yeah. It's like you described my working relationship with Kim. I brush into her. She goes nuts. Just <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Stay away from me. That's exactly what I was describing with with some of these uh, when they when these children get bigger than we are as teachers. Oh, yeah. and these teachers will not understand. It's not about you. It's about their flight or fight, and they are going yeah. to take you down. Uh, in my mind, I'm just soaking this in I, because I'm I'm rethinking Laura some of the things that we have been doing. Right. And then we need to relook at. I've I've often said don't open a Pandora's box because sometimes I think we go looking as counselors delving into students and as you said sometimes they're they don't perceive an issue and sometimes we make an issue right and I think going back we have to be very careful that we are tending to needs but we're not creating needs. Does that make sense? And do you guys agree? I certainly agree. Um, you know, because many things, even if we open that box, we can't fix, you know, and, and, and let's be real. I mean, there's kids in America that are living in not great situations. And, and, and even if they reveal most of them to us, uh, we can't fix that. Um, you know, uh, what we need to do and the resiliency research is really clear and hopeful with these kids. Um, and it boils down to connection. Uh, it boils down to one adult connection over time that they're not fixing anything. They're, they're supporting that kid over time. Um, literally changes the direction of, of these kids' lives. The resiliency research is extremely powerful. There's over 40 years of it now, um, and, and that's, the, that's the finding. Um, so think about this. If, if we could hand off our most troubled kids more intentionally between teachers, uh, rather than say, oh, you're going to get Joey next year. Wait, wait till you see him. We're doing this in a much different way. Okay. Uh, we've, we've recognized him. Lori and I even call it dosing. All kids need doses of, of connection from teachers. It's really about connection and love, really. We don't use the word, but that's what dosing is. How do I connect with you? How do I make a relationship with you? Our most troubled kids need more doses. They need more connections with, with adults. They need to be passed off well. 
from elementary school to middle school to high school, and we don't do that well at all uh, in any any schools. So those are the things we're trying to 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 turn around. Um, can we see uh, schools as a place to really support these kids, um, learn how to um, uh, regulate their nervous system? We see discipline as regulation. And we teach teachers and others, how do you co-regulate an upset child? You don't yell at them. <laughs> that's just, that just upsets them more. So that co-regulation shifts discipline in a very different way. We're regulating the nervous system. We're not punishing kids which really ends up dysregulating them and disconnecting them more. There's a favorite saying I have. It goes something like this. Punishment works best with kids that need it the least. And it works the least best with kids that need it the most. It's backwards. And, and and we we see it every day in our in our schools. Um, so you know uh, that's kind of we want to identify those kids. We want to dig into your discipline data, and really take a look at who are those repeat offenders uh, that are all and and you know we all got them. Those are the kids we're talking about. We don't need an A score on them. Guaranteed, they're coming out of those places. Right. Right. I think of fear for counselors and, and I guess it's it's um, I've done K through 12. And, and what about the I think always and Laura knows this, I think because of past issues, I've uh, things that have come up. But what about those students that might be internalizing? Mm -hmm. But we don't know. I, I'm always afraid that there's that student. I have no idea mm -hmm. that they're this close to you know harming themselves or and we're not picking up on it uh is, do you have any thoughts on on those students that do internalize but we you know how if there's if we're not getting a score on those students or and we're not seeing it at school do you have any thoughts or suggestions on that yeah a little bit uh nothing perfect though and, and just another statistic uh, if you guys haven't um, uh, uh, Googled into the Children's Defense Fund, do check out that work um, by uh, Marion Wright Elgerman. Um, and and um, she's got some great uh, statistics on a lot of stuff that I share with teachers too. Um, her latest data is that every day in the United States of America, um, uh, eight children or teens die by suicide. Um, that's every day, um, daily in America. Um, so, you know, a lot of times uh, what we're, we're also trying to build with the culture of safety is not just safety toward uh, adults, toward kids and kids for adults, but kids with kids. Um, and, and how do you create um, peer helping groups? Um, that support each other, because often uh, what what here what we've seen here is 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 sometimes or uh, uh, we'll hear those messages from other students, not the student themselves, that are worried about their friend, and with those kind of relationships, that's what we really want. That net of support that we can weave that includes the kids. Um, you know, and, and talking about, you know, what to share and what, you know, what not to share. And, and as you guys are doing counseling groups, I don't think that's a bad message to put out to kids is if your friend is in trouble, please let us know because we'll help them. You're right. Especially as these kids get older, they mm -hmm. don't come to us as, as in, in a lot of what we see in middle school and high school in my experience has come from other students. Yeah. So you're right. I think that's important for us to remember, Laura, as counselors, we've got to keep getting that message to students. If you hear something, say something. If you know something, yeah. say something. Yeah, it's really, I think, um, really important. And as you said, yeah, absolutely, as they get older. Uh, so it's interesting. Uh, along the lines of what you were saying earlier, the other person I wanted to, to mention um, was um, <clears throat> 
uh, was Dr. Wendy Ellis. Um, Dr. Wendy Ellis um, has done some work around the pair of ACEs, where she combines um, not only the 10 ACEs, uh, but adverse community environments too. Um, you know, uh, places of high poverty, for instance, housing instability, food insecurity, also adds to the stress of families. And just recently, uh, Wendy has added COVID-19 uh, to the to the pair of aces um, because we know that though that that uh, it's affected everybody, but it has certainly affected our minority communities much more. Uh, and our communities of poverty much more than some of our other communities. Uh, so that also, so she's worth Googling too. I love her work. Um, she's working uh, uh, in, in whole community change, uh, which has been fun. I'm wondering what your advice would be to a counselor going into a new school or a brand new counselor coming in. How can what would your advice be on being proactive um, to learn about these situations without doing a whole lot of digging? What would you, or not, and when I say digging, I mean like, you know, like what Kim was talking about, opening Pandora's box that doesn't need to be opened by right. the student. So, so what would you recommend for a new counselor? I would, uh, you know, that's a great question, actually. I, I would recommend uh, getting to know your administrators very well. Um, you know, what do they, what do they think about their schools? What do they think about, you know, discipline? Are they traditionalists? Are they more, uh, where are they on that spectrum? Um, just do a, like a snapshot. I would hang out in the teacher, teacher's lounge, uh, and listen to how they talk about kids, which kids they kind of talk about. Get a sense of this, of, of uh, does the school know anything about ACEs? Um, you know, where are they? Um, uh, with their with their uh, uh, thinking about ACEs trauma, what are they currently doing? You know, we're always when I walk into schools, uh, you can get a feel, and every school is unique, isn't it? It's just uh, yeah. amazing. But you get a feel. The feel I'm looking for um, is is a, a sense of belonging. That sense of belonging for everybody. Does everybody seem uh, that to feel uh, relaxed in this place? Does everybody know each other's names? Uh, do pe are people friendly? Uh, those kind of things really kind of give you an idea of where where you are. Uh, and then this work is slow. I mean, you can't change all this stuff overnight. Um, it starts with just awareness. Um, that's why you know I, I recommend that film again. It's uh, it's an hour long, but it kind of depending on what your demographic is like in your school, um, it kind of can click. Um, as I look at <clears throat> at the demographic in your state, um, you know you're, you've got in Alabama one out of every four ki five kids in your state are poor. Um, that goes up drastically to forty one of your black kids and the latest I've seen 38% of your Hispanic kids but I don't know what your individual school demographics are I look at free and reduced lunch counts as far as you know stress levels in schools I don't know you know that's not that's a good indicator of a, a from a far away place without going to visit of, of stress in families um, you know you guys have um, have a, a uh, uh, you know, numbers listed that are pretty high uh, in your state. Uh, last, uh, as of 2020, the fact sheet I've gotten, uh, you know, over 12,000 kids uh, uh, found to be abused and neglected. Um, who are your kids from foster care? I don't know if you have those kids in your in your in your schools, but those kids always now are carrying. You don't even have to look; they they carry toxic stress. Great advice, and so many as we like to say, rubber meets the road ideas. There's a lot of things that we can start digging in and start actually doing. These are ideas that we can actually start doing. So do you guys, uh, the other question I have for you guys, do you have school resource officers? We do. We do. Mm -hmm. 
So I don't know if this has reached Alabama. We st um, I started to do some work with police completely by accident. I grew up in Philadelphia, and I was always uh, very afraid of the police in Philadelphia growing up, uh, for probably good reason. Uh, but uh, uh, I, um, I, uh, a police chief and a local police chief came and, and saw a, a presentation on ACES. Um, and um, long story short, um, we've started a program here in, in our whole county. It's called Handle with Care. And what it is, is it's a simple program. If, if the police are called to any student's house that evening, regardless of why, um, and there's kids in the house. Um, the school gets a notice from the police department that, uh, and all it says is handle with care and the kid's name. It doesn't say what happened. It doesn't say why it happened. No information. But it just gives the school a heads up that something might have happened. Uh, it usually goes to the principal. And the principal usually at least talks to the teacher and say, hey, if you notice anything different, uh, just, you know, step back a little bit, give this kid some space, no prying or asking them what happened or, or what happened. But it, it's been, uh, we were literally shocked at the numbers of, of visits um, and, and school notices that the school got. Um, and, uh, and, and it really uh, was a nice connection. It often then goes from the principal to you guys, to counselors. Um, if that kid does need some somebody to talk to through his behavior, you know, again, we don't pry into what happened, uh, but to, just to try to give that kid some support um, uh, during um, uh, during the day. Uh, so that's a, a, another pretty simple kind of thing dead accident uh the handle with care program actually he, uh, the chief of police found it out of west virginia uh, but uh police but but we're trying to do that net that weaving net uh, in communities for all our kids what a great collaboration and, yeah. and so simple and yeah. um and and what a great impact that that would make well um, it takes all pieces of the puzzle. If the school resource officer has that piece of the puzzle about who they visited the night before, we certainly need that in the school and we have information that they need. And so it really just takes all of us. You, you mentioned the resilience documentary that you recommend that secretaries see it and oh, yeah. uh, custodians because we all see parts of a student's life. Mm -hmm. And so when we're all working together, we just, we complete the puzzle. So that's, Yep. Such great advice. I know we have kept you a long time, and, and so I, I, I will wrap up, but I, I do want to ask you about uh, a lot of the stress that we adults have. I'm sure, you know, we pass that on, as you said, to our students. Do you recommend, like the ACES, doing something, a program with your t teachers and helping them explore maybe the trauma they've had in their lives that we may be passing on? I mean, how do you use this or have you with educators uh, going well, through this? I have survey? actually um, passed out the ACES screen uh, with educators after that film. Um, I certainly, we certainly don't talk about it publicly, um, but, but we let them know that the, uh, the film does a great job of letting them know the, how common um, ACEs are. Um, and, uh, and, and it also does a nice job of what, what the antidote is, which is connection and relationship. Um, so you could have a lot of ACEs, but, but if you have those connections now, every once in a while, we'll get somebody that wants to share and I'll in, in that group setting, but, but I don't process it like that. I just kind of leave it pretty private. Um, but often adults will speak up. Um, and, and, and say, wow, you know, oh, you know, it starts even connecting dots for them, themselves. But the documentary, you'll see Dr. Nadine Burke-Harris, you'll see the, the two originators of the study, where it came from. And then you'll even see a school uh, that is, an elementary school that is working through it 
uh, and some of what they're doing. It's, uh, it, it's uh, just the easiest way to begin to get this information out there in a safe way. Um, and even if you just share the ACEs survey, you don't have to process it with anybody um, at all. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't uh, you know, I'm pretty um, um, uh, safe with going anywhere with people. They'll come see you uh, afterwards. You guys know that. Yeah, we, get, we do get a lot of that. We, yeah. do, we do get a lot of that. And that's okay, you know, because yeah, ultimately it helps the students. If we can help the teachers, then ultimately that helps the students because uh, it, does, it does trickle down. Yeah, the other biggie with the shift, though, is, is, you know, and often schools think in black and white ways. So, you know, this isn't about dismantling our discipline policies right away, right? I mean, this isn't an overnight change. Um, you know, it's not also, it's not about, oh, that poor child, let them do whatever they want, because I feel bad. You know, so we've got to protect that, too. These kids really need structure predictability, routine, and consistency. Um, that's not like, oh, I, I feel bad for you. You don't have right. to do anything. So that's a caution, too. Uh, when we get into, oh, wow, we've got this, they're going to want to know, what do we do? Uh, well, you know, we really still handle these children. We learn to regulate them. And our consequences, we take a look at. I mean, you, you dirty something, you clean it up eventually. I mean, we don't have to, uh, uh, you know, we can connect some of the things that we do uh, without making a kid feel bad on top of it. I feel like we have just scratched the surface and there is so much more here. Who so, knew he was such a treasure trove? Tell us the name of your books again, and uh, I'm going. We're going to order them today because I feel like there's some things that we can start using immediately when we go back to school with her. The book that really I'm focused on today is called "Eyes Are Never Quiet." Uh, it's on Amazon. This is "Eyes Are Never Quiet," um, oh, and um, and all the activities are in the back of it, so you oh, can wow. play. Teachers have favorites. Our first book we wrote was called "Unwritten." Uh, the story of a living system, um, and this book um, it, it really talks about um, you know uh, schools as not machine um, schools as living systems, and we sometimes lose the perspective because we're so used to that kind of factory model of schooling, where we where we kind of just go through school. Some kids do it well, and we give them nice awards. Other kids. You know, we pull out and, and, and try to fix and put back on the conveyor belt. It's a very different shift, our first book, and looking at if we pictured it more like a, a system that's alive and, and, and what would that look like in schools and, and how would all kids feel. The other important message is that trauma responsive schools are good for all kids, not just kids with stress. Um, we're not, this stuff, the practices we're talking about are good for all children, not just uh, those other kids down the hall or wherever we put them. Um, and so that's an important message to get to your schools, too. This isn't just about those kids. All kids can benefit by this, this kind of work. So uh, that's important, too. So you also have your three-day training in New Jersey, which I'm very jealous of because we're in Alabama, but, um, but New Jersey. So if, we show up at, if we show up, if two girls with, uh, two women with accents show up. Well, just you know, we can do you one better this year because we've had to be forced to do it on Zoom. I'll invite you. Oh! <laughs> it's a free training. Um, it's free. I've been able to work with uh, a couple of grants. Um, so, um, so it's, it's worked out really well this year. It's, uh, we're kind of excited. I mean, zoom's not the great, I'd rather do face to face. That's the sure. best. Um, but we're going to have people now all over the globe on this, uh, on this three day event. So I'll, uh, when we're done, I certainly will, will send you, uh, in your email an, an invite, just go in, register and, there's two sessions, pick whatever three days worked best for you. If you can join us, that'd be great.
Oh, that is awesome. exciting. That's so, what you get for begging, Laura. I'm not oh, no about worries. it. Just ask. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't even really think about it. I'm sure I would have eventually. This has been so informative, and I just feel like I want to dig into all these resources, and, and I, this has been very, very helpful, and I just can't thank you enough. I think our listeners are going to feel the same. Great. Well, hey. hey, guys, it was really, thanks for finding me. That's great. And, uh, thanks for coming and if on. you have questions as you're going along, feel free to just shoot me an email or, uh, or anything like that. I'm, uh, uh, I'm really kind of, I guess you can kind of tell I'm a little passionate about the work. We uh, love it. And uh, it's, uh, it's just a nice stage to be in to be able to share back um, all the things that you've been able to learn throughout a, uh, throughout a career. So it's a, in, in, a, in one way, uh, really, uh, really kind of fun for me to be able to share with as many folks as I can. Well, and it it's all benefits the students and it's, that's, yeah. that's what it's all about. And let me just say, here at the end. I don't claim to be a linguist, but I was expecting a New Jersey accent. And I was going to say that you sounded like a Pennsylvania accent. And you said you got Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little different. You're pretty good. Yeah. And I love I your guys. The way you say America. <laughs> Something about the way you say America. Uh-huh. America. With a little, I was... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it is. We love, we love, that's one of our things, you know, we just love accents, you know, and, and we yeah, I play games all the time. We have stopped people and said, you're from like a, it's <laughs> very cool. Florida and I, so yeah, anyway. it's really neat. I, you know, it is, it's very cool. Um, as I, I, you know, as I travel around into different places in the country now with, uh, with teachers face to face, uh, it is it, fun. And, and I really, you know, I mean, the, Teachers, um, teachers uh, overall really are looking for different things to do. They, they're, I, I still uh, think the majority of the teachers are 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 are, are people that really want to do what's best for kids, um, and and, uh, and 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 it's a tough job. I mean, it's yeah. just really hard to do, uh, and it's getting harder. It is, and I think you've given us some things to make it a little easier. So I appreciate that so much. And, and uh, we'll follow your career yes. uh, as, as you go forth and help others. And I hope to see you on some of this training. But thank yeah, you for being Yeah, definitely will. And I'll, I'll send you that right, at, right now. So nice meeting you Great. guys. Great meeting you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Michael McKnight. And let me tell you. Uh, I have, you know, Joy Winchester, she's been on this show. She's going to be a part of our behavior conference. When I was talking about him having been on our podcast before, mm -hmm. she was like, uh, like her, I, I could tell what a big deal. You, you can tell when other people are like, oh my gosh, I've read everything he's ever written. I love him. I, I follow him, all the stuff. So he is a pretty big deal. And you can see why from this yeah. podcast. Yeah. Well, I was kind of pleased that that was three years ago in our podcasting journey. And we didn't sound like idiots. Oh, you mean we didn't sound any more like idiots than right. we do now. I will say it's gotten worse, I think. Okay. As okay. Going on. <laughs> we sounded really good back then. Oh, now yeah. We just, well, we need, to up, we need to up our game. I hope you can become a little I more I wish that you would. This is just an intervention <laughs> for you. If you would just listen to yourself. Um, we do want to talk about our behavior conference that's coming up. Um Tickets will be on sale. If they're not already at the time that you're listening to this, they will be. We've got the early bird special going. So grab that early bird price. And um, it is so full of fantastic speakers that are going to bring strategies, solutions, stories, brain development. I mean, we've got a little bit of every area of expertise speaking at this and conference. And it's, it's my favorite speakers that you're ever going to hear. Just yeah. one of these is worth the price. Yes. But you're getting so many. I mean, we were with Brent Cosby for just a little bit this week. And every single thing that poured out of his mouth is just gold. And you're just like, you're just hanging on the yes. edge. And I was with Joy Winchester. She's going to be speaking this week. And, uh, 
like, I'm just, I, I videoed her. I'm just like, just talk. I just want to hear what you're saying because it helps so much with, you know, so there's so many people that. It's like to think that we have lassoed all of these people. I don't know how we did it. And we're Other than begging them, them basically. Begging. Yes. Manipulating, tricking, whatever we had to do. Whatever it took. Whatever it took. Um, but they are all going to be in one place for this conference. And so. And it is a virtual conference. Yes. When you yes. said they're all going to be in one place, it's at your home. <laughs> <laughs> they're coming over. In one hub. One hub. And so you have access to all of these speakers in one place. And if you're a school counselor and you're hearing your teacher say, I don't know what I'm going to do, then you may want to sign up to be an affiliate and earn a portion of the ticket sales and put that link out there to your teachers and let them purchase the ticket and you earn a percentage of those sales because they're going to need these solutions that these people are bringing to the table. Absolutely. So if you have a following or you have a group of teachers or your district, if you want to share, uh, it's 25% uh, for our listeners to sell tickets and make off of that. So that can add up. So I will post a link in our show notes um, to that. If you are interested in doing that, then uh, fill out that link and we will get you your own personal link to share out so that you can get a portion of those ticket sales. Fabulous. So you can follow us on Instagram. You can like us on Facebook. Please rate and review this podcast because it helps other people find our school counseling podcast. Also sign up for our newsletter because that's where we share out more information about the behavior conference and other things that we're doing. Oh, and we've got a children's book coming out. It's uh, We have a children's book coming out. Do we want to talk about that? It's a lot. It's a lot. We've been busy. We've been busy. So uh, we are waiting on our copy to get here before it's officially, like before we officially official. But just know. It's coming. It's coming. Probably by the next time. It's a children's book. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. We'll have a great week. We hope that you enjoy time off. We hope that you get time off. We hope that you enjoy that time. If you're doing the turkey trot or running a turkey trot, we hope that you enjoy whatever you're doing, shopping, pulling a wishbone, whatever you're doing. Taking a nap, whatever. Enjoy your Thanksgiving.